Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Well, now, the last time we were together, we began our study of the Old and the New Covenant. Now, if you were not with us last time, I want to encourage you to visit our YouTube channel or our website, l4ltv.com, and check out part one of this two-part series. Now, we're going to begin today again where we began last time by opening our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8, beginning at verse 8. This is sort of the backdrop of our study. Here's what it says. But God did find fault with them since he says, Look, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the house of Israel, and I will make a new covenant with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue to keep my covenant. And I lost interest in them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will place my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person won't ever teach a neighbor, their brother or sister, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least important of them to the most important, because I will be lenient toward their unjust actions, and I won't remember their sins anymore. So now we're prepared to talk about the new covenant, a better covenant, in every sense as we're going to see. Number one, who is the mediator of the new covenant? Now, we saw that the mediator of the old covenant was Moses. What about the new covenant? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Here's what it says. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The record also tells us here in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15 the following. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Now, let's see how much better this is. So, here we have God not coming down from the mountain, but we have God coming down from heaven itself. The Son of God, born in the womb of the Virgin Mary, came down from heaven. And why did he come down from heaven? He came down to make a new covenant with his people. How much better a mediator is he? Moses was a sinful man, but what about the Lord Jesus? He was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, under the new covenant, we have a sinless mediator, a far better mediator. Now, Moses was only a man, but the mediator of the new covenant is both man and God. The work of a mediator is to make a bridge between the contracting parties. The only perfect mediator would be a person who is both man and God so that he could perfectly represent both. 
He could represent man to God perfectly, but he could also represent God to man perfectly. Didn't he say to Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. As a perfect man, he can represent mankind perfectly to the Father. And as a perfect God, he could perfectly represent God to man. Therefore, he's the perfect mediator for this new covenant. You can't improve on that. It's perfect. Now, let's go a step further. What was the message of Jesus? We see here in John's gospel, John chapter 14, and in verse 24, sometimes we fail to focus on these things. Look at what it says. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The Lord Jesus said, these are not my words. They are the words of the Father. These are perfect, perfect words. This was his message. The, his message were the words of God. He gave a new covenant. Now, what is the new covenant? Well, he is the mediator of this new covenant because he spoke the Father's words in the broad sense of the word. The new covenant is the message that Jesus gave, the whole of it. Now, the old covenant was ratified by the blood of some oxen. But if you turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, you will see how the new covenant was ratified. Listen to this. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant. So now what we have here is not only a better mediator, not a sinful man, but the perfect son of God. And it is ratified not by the blood of a beast, not by the blood of an animal, but by the blood of Christ himself. This is the blood of the new covenant. Now, how long would this new covenant last? The old covenant we saw last time lasted 40 days, right, before they'd made this golden calf. The record that I just read says, through the blood of the eternal covenant. The new covenant will last forever. It is an eternal covenant. Now, what about the promises? In the promises of the old covenant, we saw that the Lord had said what he would do. Right? If you were obedient, here's what, here's what I will do. We saw that the people annulled the covenant because of their disobedience. Now, listen to the promises of the new covenant where God is making the promise. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, isn't that a wonderful promise? I'll tell you. It is one of the most wonderful things to be able to lay your head at night and know that every mean thing that I've ever done or said that I have confessed the Lord has forgiven. You see, we are living today under the blood of the new covenant, under the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. 
So now we're getting down to the nitty gritty, right? I've compared the two covenants all the way along. Now, now with whom is the new covenant made? The old covenant we saw was made with Israel. With whom does God make the new covenant? Let's read it. Because here is a point that is greatly misunderstood. But the language is relatively clear. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So you see, the old covenant was made with Israel and the new covenant is made with Israel. Every single covenant in the Bible is made to Abraham and to his seed. Look at uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, what it says there. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Remember that you were at the time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. How do we get in? Well, Paul says we have to be grafted in. You see, as soon as we, be, as soon as we accept Jesus Christ, then we become Abraham's children and become heirs to the promises, but only if we belong to Christ. You see, we are not Jews according to the flesh. We are strangers to the covenant according to the flesh. But the moment that we accept Jesus in our lives, we become spiritual Jews. Paul says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 28 and 29 the following. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is the one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. You see, we are Jews according to the heart. And because we are Jews according to the heart, we are now part of the covenant that was made with Israel. Now, what is the substance of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So what is the substance of the new covenant? The substance of the new covenant is the Ten Commandments, the law, exactly the same as in the old covenant. In fact, there has never been a covenant without law. There will never be a covenant without law. It is impossible to have a covenant without law. The whole function of the covenant is to make us obedient to God to restore in us God's moral image. And the Ten Commandments, well, that's a transcript of God's character. 
The whole purpose of redemption is to restore in man the image of God. The moral image of God is transcribed and put into words in the Ten Commandments. See, anyone who rejects the Ten Commandments is rejecting the moral concept and the moral character of God. So let me ask you this, are the Ten Commandments then the New Covenant? No. No, the, the Ten Commandments are not the New Covenant. The Ten Commandments are the substance of the New Covenant. Now let me try to explain what I mean by that. When you're buying a house, you enter into a contract of sale, an agreement, a covenant. Right? You make an agreement to buy the house, an agreement to sell the house. Now, what is the covenant about? Well, the covenant is about the house. The contract, the piece of paper, and the house are two different things. The covenant is on the paper, but the agreement is about the house. So now if you decide that you're not going to buy the house, what have you done? You have broken the covenant. As far as the covenant is concerned, it is just a piece of paper. We tear it up. We throw it in the shredder. But how does that affect the house? Does it change the house? No. The house is exactly the same as it always was. Breaking the covenant does not change the house any more than changing the covenant has in any slightest degree changed the law of God. Has the changing of the covenant affected in any way in the slightest degree the Ten Commandment law? Not at all. In fact, Jesus said, think not that I am come to destroy the law. The Ten Commandments are exactly the same. They cannot change. That's absolutely impossible. Jesus said, as long as the earth and heaven stand, not one jot or one tittle shall in no ways pass from the law. So what does God promise to do under the new covenant? He says, I will take my law and put it in your mind, and I will write it in your hearts. Then, and only then, are we new covenant Christians. So you ask, well, how can you be sure that these laws that are written in the mind and the heart are in fact the Ten Commandments? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You see, the new covenant is to take that which was written on tablets of stone under the old covenant and put those into the mind and into the heart under the new covenant. So what is the new covenant? It is the law of God written in the mind and in the heart. And if we allow God 
to put his law in our minds and in our hearts, then he will be our God. And, he, and we then will be his people. Those are the terms of the covenant. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, beginning at verse 16. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead. For it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Now let's think about this. A will. A will. Until I die, that will is only a piece of paper. We just read that for a covenant to be valid, it is valid only when the person is dead. It is never in force while the one who made the covenant lives. So if I decide in my will to leave my car to my son or to my daughter, well, until I die, they have no claim on that car, right? It's only something on paper, but the moment I die, according to the law, my will goes into effect, and the thing that I put in my will while I was alive now comes into effect. But I must put it into my will while I am alive, because when I die, as soon as I die, with my blood I seal the covenant or the testament. They can then and only then claim the car. But I made that will while I was still alive. Now look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15. <clears throat> Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. See that? What's Paul saying here? says, when a person dies, their will is confirmed by their death. You can't take anything out of it. You can't add anything to it. It would be a fraud or forgery to do this against the will that the person made while they were still alive. So remember, we're talking about the new covenant that was sealed with the very blood of Jesus himself. The Lord Jesus left no written will, but he did set forth a principle that we read of in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 16 says, By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Now, while it is true that our Lord left no written will, he did leave four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who made a very careful record of the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what you find in the four Gospels. Jesus did not leave a written will, but he left a living will. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way he lived is his will. And he desires that we live our lives the way 
he lived his life because he is the life. And he left these four witnesses. Now, in order to be in the new covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, it had to be put into the will before he died, and only Christ can put it in. It's his will. He would have to include anything he wanted to before he died. Now, what did the Lord include in his will, in his testament? Baptism? He did. He said, go and baptize. He established the Lord's Supper. He said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Take this cup. It is the new covenant in my blood shed for you. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. Why? Because before the Lord Jesus Christ died, he included the Lord's Supper in his will. Now, why do we observe the Sabbath? Because before the Lord died, he had said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. That is what is in his will. Now listen, my friends, if Sunday were to be the day of rest and worship of the new covenant, it would have to be in Jesus' will before he died. Because our Lord left a living will. Our Lord would have have to have kept Sunday before he died, and he would have to have commanded it before he died. Because when the Lord died at three o'clock on that Friday afternoon, his will was eternally closed. And because the Lord Jesus never told us anywhere to keep Sunday, it is absolutely impossible for Sunday to be the new covenant day of rest and worship because the mediator of the new covenant never mentions Sunday. Sunday was three days too late to come under the blood of his cross. And what is not under the blood of Christ is not in the new covenant. Galatians chapter 3 verse 15. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. We cannot accept the violation of God's will. It is a crime to alter a person's will. So what does it mean to have God's law in our heart? It means to delight, to, to have joy in doing the will of God. David wrote in the 40th Psalm, verse 8, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. We don't have any contract with God for salvation until we delight to do his will. Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Nothing can stand in our way. The devil will put forth his greatest effort in getting us to resist in one of two areas. The devil either wants us to stop us by not believing God's law, right? Stop it in our minds, 
by deciding not to obey it in our heart. If we stop at either point, then we don't have a contract. And our destiny depends on that contract. The terms of the contract are exceedingly clear. It is a matter of redemption. Accept Jesus as your mediator. Open your heart and let God put His law on your heart. Open your mind. Let God put His law on your mind to, the know, to know the joy of your sins being forgiven and then one day to walk in the eternal city and live forever. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It is through the merits of those acts that we can one day live eternally with you. May each and every day draw us closer to you. May each and every day help us better understand just how much you love us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. Um, on each and every program, we make a resource available. And uh, as I mentioned on a previous program, I was able to get my hands on these special editions of the Signs of the Time magazine in sort of a more condensed version. And we'd love to send you this one right here. This edition is called, What Does the Bible Say About the Sabbath? I know for some of you this is a brand new topic and if you'd like some additional reading material, I would suggest that you request this Signs of the Times magazine, What Does the Bible Say About the Sabbath? If you're interested in receiving it, here's some information you're going to need to make that request. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website www.l4ltv.com That's the Lessons for Living television website www.l4ltv.com You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlin Post Office Oshawa, Ontario L1G 0A3 If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you for joining us. Just before we go, we'll remind you of a couple of things. One of them is our website, l4ltv.com. All of our programs are accessible from the website, including all of the previous programs. There's a Donate Today tab if you feel so impressed or so moved to make a donation. We are a charitable organization. Every donation gets reinvested into this ministry, and every donation is eligible for a receipt for income tax purposes. Check out our Instagram page, Santos underscore Bill, every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I put out a one-minute devotional video. You can check that out. Great way to get your day started. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. An audio version of this program will be available where you can download it and carry that with you. 
through our SoundCloud account. So check all of those out. We are rapidly running out of time. Let me thank you again for joining us. I hope we have the opportunity to do this again next time. God bless you. We'll see you back here real soon.